Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Hey, Big Sean, today we got a guest, don't we? We do, bro. She's, you know, she's somebody that I've known for a little bit of a while, but a very smart, intelligent young woman. I like to call an old millennial now because they're getting old, these millennials. So we're there like 30 somethings now. Yes, millennials are aging. That's what happens. <laughs> and, and we have a very special millennial. She is very funny, very talented. She wears many hats. And uh, she also has her own podcast, which we also were guests on recently, recently called Race Wars. Correct. Yes, it was. And it was very racy wars we were having on that show. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, we had a, a, a Jewish, a couple of blacks in there, a Southern white. And, anything uh, goes on Race anything, Wars. Anything goes you on Race Wars. You need to tune wars. in, by the way, folks, yeah. if you want a good time. She's the co-host of Race Wars, and now she's on Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Everyone, welcome Karen Margolis. Hi, guys. Oh, what a welcome. Did you ever think you'd be on a show called Two Black Guys with Good Credit? A right? girl can dream. <laughs> Hilarious. So, Karen, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about yourself. We've announced that you're a millennial. G- give us a little bit of background. You did on do you. that. Um, I am a comedian and a writer. Um, background about me uh, I've lived in New York for like 10 plus years. Um, a regular person with regular credit. <laughs> <laughs> how did the Race Wars podcast come about? Tell us about that, and how did you put that together? What's the premise for the, for people who haven't heard it? Okay. Give us a little breakdown. Yeah, so Race Wars was started by Sherrod Small and Kurt Metzger, who are, like, longtime veteran comedians, um, comedy specials, like, you know, 20-year, 20 20-plus-year 20 comics. And, uh, and then I joined them after a while. Years ago, it's like uh, just a, not exactly a co-host, but just like a, a regular. And right. then, what was it like meeting them? How, like, how did that connection kind of well, blossom I, into this? You're like the black woman on Howard Stern. Show, <laughs> right, so, right. right. <laughs> Robin Quiver. I don't know her name, but I just know the black person out there. But you know, you, and you handle yourself very good on that show. Like, you're able to maneuver your way through. Those guys. <laughs> well, I've known them forever. Like, you know, I've I've known. Sherrod for over 10 years so you know and then I joined Race Wars later so okay that it was it was easy and natural you know there wasn't uh it wasn't like an audition process or anything like that like I knew them Kurt and I were dating at the time and ah. then we broke up and then I started co-hosting nice so how did this millennial comedian uh-huh. come across financially clean and two black guys <laughs> with good credit so um so my my boyfriend Matthew. Shout out to Matthew. Shout out to Matthew. Uh, Cutie. Yes. And his uh, former yoga teacher, Ariel, was a guest on your show. And he sent me an episode and I listened to it and I listened to a few more episodes and we like we kind of got into it was an episode about essentializing. Oh, yes. (laughs) And I like really, really took it to heart and just like got rid of so much stuff (laughs) and uh, like too much stuff, like ended up buying a lot of stuff. Back? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we so we like got into your podcast a little bit. Matt and I looked you up and Sean, you were offering a class. And I, I, I didn't, I definitely didn't realize that it was like an 11 week 
course. I thought it was like a class every week for 11 weeks, you know, and that you could just like go to whatever. And so that was we, too much commitment. It well, we we didn't know. We didn't know it was like a, we know it was like a semester. And that was a heated class you came to as well. That it was really good. it was. Somebody freaked out and left. It was like drama. Um, yeah, she got triggered by something Sean said, which was like very innocuous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like clearly you could tell what her personal like you know deal was like what her her own security. But anyway, um, we we decided we were gonna go together to like one of the weeks we just picked a week and then we broke up oh. <laughs> and I still wanted to go so I went I think I went to the week before we had decided we were going to go together so like I went the, you know a different week and um yeah that's it I think then I guess he went the, the week of yeah he went the following week yeah he went the following week so we both went but we didn't go at the same time and uh then we reconnected and and uh and yeah that's it still love you guys Thank you. Thank you. And I think love was back in the air, too, for the two of you, no? Yep. Let's mention that. Yeah, things are good. Good. Two black guys made it happen. It's what we do. It's what we do. I mean, the credit is all yours. (laughs) (laughs) With good credit. No pun intended. Oh, oh my God. Witty comedy. (laughs) Yeah, that's quick. So what were some of the um, things that, in terms of your own credit or your own financial journey, things Uh that maybe you were interested in in, when you took the courses or things you were trying to accomplish or what what was on your mind in Mm. in the state of your financial life when when you came? Yeah, I guess I'd never really thought about finance in a serious way. And I I never really, I had a really sort of like millennial attitude towards it, which is that it doesn't apply to me. And, you know, I, it just never really occurred to me to take it seriously. And I guess I hadn't really had a lot of reason to, but at that point in my life, I was starting to like transition to big girl thoughts, you know, like what, what are we doing? Like what's like, you know, as I was kind of getting older and like in my mid to late twenties, it becomes real, you know what I mean? And, And it's not like the future becomes an entity. And I was like, well, what are we doing? So thinking about finance was like really new to me. And it is, like, really interesting to me. Like, we were talking before the show about how, like, everything's interesting. There's so many areas of interest. But it was such an abstraction. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have concrete ideas of what I should be doing. Or I knew I should be, A, making money and, B, saving it. But apart from that, like, I really didn't know. Just to wow. give a little more f- background on Karen, as I'm sure everybody knows now. You know, she's a comedian, but, you know, she's very, very bright. Graduated from NYU. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, a typical kind of millennial that we wanted to bring on the show <laughs> to kind of talk about, like, yeah, I'm, I'm educated. I have all the skill sets. And what do you think? How are you thinking about finance? So this is kind of why we decided to bring her on the show, because I think she's a real reflection of a millennial and what their thought process is. Well, I also graduated in the middle of a recession. So it didn't feel, finance didn't feel applicable for a long time. You know and what I mean? And you went like, to NYU. Hmm. So it's not like yeah. you went to, like... You went to a good school. But there was an unstable job market, right. like the whole... It was wild. Yeah. Nobody mm-hmm. knew what they were doing. Like, nobody my age knew what they were doing at all. And unless you'd been sort of, like, grandfathered into something or had a family business you were going to go into or a very concrete, like, grad school direction, um, it was a very confusing time for us well, young I mean, people. it's really the beginnings of the whole gig economy right. was that era where yeah. people were finding, you know, different hustles and different jobs and, and you know, they weren't, it wasn't the tr- traditional path. It wasn't the traditional path. So and the question is like, okay, if, if the traditional path is sort of off the table, then I might as well pick something that I like. And so I owe it to myself to figure out what I like. And then, and money wasn't such a big factor in that, to be honest with you. I was like, you, it, it didn't seem thinking? accessible. Hmm? What were you, what were you, what was your rationale? Behind what? Like deciding what to do, what you like. What were you contemplating like, as far as because like, what were you? Weighing? I remember you were saying earlier on, yeah, what you were actually destined or kind of what your parents, I guess, want were kind of guiding you to what to, mm-hmm. they wanted you to do versus yeah. what you decided to do. Yeah. So, well, the plan had been for me to go to law school at some point, but which. I still to this day think is really interesting, but I stopped thinking that being a lawyer was interesting. Was at that point when I it occurred to me that what you choose to do with your life, at least for the like me, near to medium term future, it d- is not really contingent on what interests you because everything for me personally, like everything interests me, you know, like science interests me, finance interests me, language and philosophy and whatever. Like I that's not a good starting point. That so then you have to ask yourself what you want to do. Like, what do I actually want to wake up and do? You know, so after I brush my teeth and have coffee, 
what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do law. I didn't want to do law. I wanted to, I, I still would have studied it if I hadn't, wouldn't have gotten me like hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt for a job I didn't want. Smart woman. But I just didn't want to do it. And when I talked to lawyers to figure out what law actually entailed, they were not about it. <laughs> like lawyers don't like being lawyers and they all cautioned me strong. They were like, be very sure that this is what you want. It's a lot of money up front. It's not, the jobs aren't secure how you think they are. They're not plentiful the way that you've been told that they are. And the work is boring. The one, the woman I talked to, one of the people I talked to um, was like, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm doing this. And she was at NYU Law. She was like, I'm doing this because I have a kid mm. and I need to support this kid. And I was like, well, that's the end of that. Wow. Hey, there <laughs> well, goes all the listeners that wanted to be lawyers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the financially clean perspective of what you did as well. Like you did your research before you dove into a very large investment. Yeah. Before you actually really understood what you wanted to do. Yeah. Like we'll find out when it's too late, like you said. Mm-hmm. I think I low-key kind of knew I didn't want to do it. And I was almost backwards rationalizing it, you know. So you switched to becoming, you went right from lawyer to comedian, or were there things in between that you were kind of figuring out before you decided to become a comic? There was a minute, you know, like a comedian's not an obvious choice, I think, for anyone. Like uh, artist is not an obvious choice for someone who had planned to go to law school. It's like very different. And um, I was around a lot of comedy and around a lot of comedians, and I sort of like transitioned into it that way. But yeah, there were just interim jobs, like random jobs that you would get when you're figuring it out. So when did you think I have to monetize this? Like, this is what I I always say. Pretty recently. (laughs) Well, because monetizing is not, look, some people, like we were talking about Kevin Hart before, like some people monetize it right away. And I wasn't one of those savvy people. I just wasn't. I was someone who had to build up skills and, you know, make connections and stuff. And that was my priority. And so honestly, it it didn't even monetizing it seemed wild to me you know so when you took a job it didn't matter what the pay was you were just looking for the opportunity um in comedy you mean in general yeah well i mean no look i mean a day job the pay obviously matters that's right. all that matters right. but in comedy it's it's different because um the reward of comedy is not all just financial and i don't mean like oh it's for the fulfillment or to make other people laugh i mean comedy rewards you as a scene for committing to comedy So, you know, people respect you, people book you, this and that. So, you know, the money, the cash value or whatever of an opportunity was just a small part of it. And also making money doing art, making any amount of money doing it is actually kind of mind blowing when you start to make money doing it. You know, you're like, I can't believe someone's paying me. I had that same experience as as a television producer. Like when I first started making money doing it, it was like, you're paying me to do this? Like, this is crazy. Right. But I have a question for you. When you were getting your bachelor's, at that point, when you finished school, were you in heavy debt for school or were you financially, were you kind of just free? Just let me figure it out. Was there a consciousness yeah. of like, oh, I got to pay all this stuff? Or were mm-hmm. you just kind of in a, where where were you at in that space? It was like somewhere in the middle. So I wasn't heavily in debt and I'm still not heavily in debt, but I was in some debt. Intentionally and, or it just happened? Um, That's just how it happened. My parents had helped me out. And so I wasn't in a massive, I'd had some, you know, scholarships and this and that. So I wasn't in a huge amount of debt, right. but it was a few tens of thousands of of dollars worth of debt it's not nothing and it's it is it's it was a lot of debt it is a lot of debt but not for us as college going Americans you know what I mean like anywhere else yeah it'd be it'd be a little nuts but relatively it wasn't that much however it was a recession I didn't know what I wanted to do and you have a pretty short grace period before you have to start paying that back right and my parents were like we're not really interested in paying this Taking for you that on too. <laughs> if you could figure this out that'd be great so it was i i felt like pressure descending upon me you know right mm-hmm. well right now if, as we're all listening we have karen margolis a 30 something we're discussing her mm-hmm. financial journey nice. <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break so stay tuned and when we come back we're gonna discuss how she dealt with that impen- that that imminent pressure mm-hmm. to pay these bills and get her financial life on track so stay tuned for more two black guys with good credit we'll be right back welcome back to two black guys with good credit the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable today we are joined by our guest karen margolis who is a 30 something and a comedian well said wears lots of hats (laughs) and she's um we're we're discussing her financial journey Uh sean 
It's the 30-something time. Yeah, all you millennials that think you know but you don't know, this is the show to listen to because we have the great Karen on our show today. And now, Karen, I know we uh-huh. spoke a number of times, and when we were speaking, you know, what is your, like, number one type of financial worry or curiosity, would you say? Well... Or goal. Or goal. Or goal. I think that at this point, um, so we talked a little bit about student loan debt, stuff like that. And I think at this point, it's pretty well controlled. Everything's being paid off on a schedule, whatever. Like, it's it's less scary than it's ever been. And now at this point in my life, it's like I feel paying off debt is looking towards the past. And at this point, I'm really looking towards the future nice. um, in a more concrete way than I ever have. And um, you know, I always read these memes and all these. There's a lot of like Instagram um, things that are always popping up, like Have little the books little. Books that you read of now as a child now turn to your Instagram reading. Is that where we're at right now? Honestly, right? yeah. This is, where do you think people are getting financial advice? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, little, but but it's not the worst. Like there is basically bite-sized information, right. right? Is what a meme is, and so they're always emphasizing like you know hustle and and developing streams of income and passive income and this and that, and so. That's where my intention is right now. Money while you sleep. Yeah, right. And I'm like, what choice do you have? Like, life is, I want to have a nice life and go cool places and buy nice things and have some stability. And like, when I eventually have kids, um, not be broke. (laughs) Right. Like I tell everybody, we're going to like use comedy as an example, since that's what you do. Like, I look, when I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking about, like, what you do, uh-huh. I'm thinking as comedy as a business. Like, do you see it that way? And are you applying I do it that way? I so do how now. Do you, so how do you see it? Like, how are you leveraging your comedic skills or your network of comics to kind of make it into that business mindset? Yeah, so so I guess the way that I'm thinking about it now is about monetizing skills that I've been developing for, like, a decade you know, and it's not comedy is not just stand up. Comedy is broadcasting and podcasting and and producing shows and hosting things. And um, and and whatever you want it to be, to be honest with you, Blogging, I mean, writing, it could be writing. Yeah. It, it's I know that sounds very like loosey goosey, but but skills are really transferable. And if you decide that you want to do something tangentially related to comedy you can use your comedy connections and skills for that thing right any public facing thing i'm not in the business but i honestly think if i'm like if i'm a guy uh, an agent you just to me have the whole package like you're you're, you're intelligent you're smart you you know go on uh, people don't know when (laughs) when they look up your name when they look you up they're like whoa she's gorgeous she's pretty so so i'm listening so how do you um (laughs) like you know how are you like what are the concrete things you're doing in the comedy business now to like like create multiple streams of energy yeah. and, and revenue, kind of monetize your skill set. Because this goes in hand with what we try to teach everybody. Like we had a football, ex-football player on the show, and he was just cool. like, what we learned at the end was like, the skills that he's learning is his training skills. So uh-huh. now he's training and he's buying real estate mm. from football. So kind of what are you doing within kind of in that context? Yeah, so I guess uh, my mind has expanded. And honestly, part of that has been dating a non-comic um, man, Matt. Yes. And yeah, he's the best. And, and also it's just, it's been, and I think we've like balanced each other in a way because I, it, it broke me out of the comedy programming, which is that if you, if what you're doing is not exactly comedy, then it's not worth it. And that's actually a really toxic mindset and it damages people, I think. And, you know, there's only one Amy Schumer. There's not a lot of that to go around. There just isn't. And we have to be real. Comedy is amazing and I love doing it. And I've built up these skills and I've developed a level of competence at it, which I I put in some dues like that wasn't. It wasn't like nothing. But there's more to you than just that. But so what's I'm not your niche, just that. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm not what's just your niche, that. Philly girl. What's your niche? So, well, that's a really good question. I mean, so now my focus is taking my diverse interests and my comedy skills and combining them uh, in an entrepreneurial way. And I know that sounds really vague, but like in a concrete sense, that means um, instead of just. Um, you know, participating on podcasts and radio shows to host my own, not just Race Wars, which is, you know, Race Wars is, I'm sort of the young comic on Race Wars. It's, it's not mine. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. I don't own it. Yeah. No, I don't absolutely. own it. And it's, and I, I give full props to Sherrod. And if you don't know Sherrod Small, he's an amazing, one of the most talented people I know and has been like a mentor figure to me for a long time, but that's his show. And so it's time for me to have well, a show. But that's the right mindset. Like, that's like people that want to leave their job. Like, you don't own it. Like, you, you're trying it out. That's the business mindset. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I need st- to own I'll it. do it. Yeah, I Absolutely. love doing Race Wars. Absolutely. I love it. If you haven't listened to the show, it's such a funny 
dope show, and uh, I don't think there's anything like it, honestly. However, it's not mine, and it's time for me to have things that are mine in addition to, like, continue to do these projects that I love. So what is it? Absolutely. So I want to, uh, so I'm working on a pitch for a network that I'm on all the time for my own show. Almost like Joe Rogan Experience type talk mm-hmm. show, but, like, for an hour and hosted by me. And, like, I want it to be, um, I'm like, what am I, just giving everything away? But it's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm scared, I'm scared to give away this you pitch. You want to have your own show. You can I stop there. My, I want to have my own show. I, I know, I, like, the, the talker in me just, like, can't shut up. But, yes, I want to have my own show. Shut the front door. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, I know, I'm such a, I will just give away every detail. But anyway, want to host my own show. And um, I also. And why is that? As a, from a business perspective. Why what, is that? Yeah, what is that going to do for you? What doors are going to open up because of doing that? Well, first of all, you can leverage hosting a show in a professional capacity. First of all, it would be on a network, so it wouldn't be... When you say network, TV, radio? Uh, a podcast network, but it's sort of a yeah, subscription-based podcast network. So... I'm not interested. I've done this before and I'm not interested in repeating the experience of basically buying a bunch of podcast equipment and just doing it on my own. I, agree I do you. not want to do that. That is a huge pain in the ass. And, you know, to build up a listenership and this and that, I want to just skip over all that. Been there, done that. Let's talk I about the you. business. I so what you, you want to do, you want to <laughs> leverage. That's, That's why right. you want to partner so you can leverage their resources to grow your base much faster, which exactly. is, which is what, I, what I agree. And not just that, but, you know, host a stand-up show of my own. These things are all, like, cross-promotable. You know what I mean? It's it's really the same thing. It's mm-hmm. just different iterations of the same thing. If you like my stand-up and then you like listening to me talk on the radio, you've got multiple options for that. And um, So what we're telling everybody, we tell everybody on the show, you're creating a brand. Yeah, that that's brand exactly is gonna have it. Value, and that brand is going to have multiple streams as to what you do. Right. You are going to be your own brand, and nobody can take that from you. That's right. And when you do, I'm just going to give you a few of the highest paid comedians of 2019. Oh, this is going to be so triggering. Hey, no, this is something <laughs> to aspire to. Yes. It's all how you look at that's it. That's right. right. Let's reframe it. <laughs> that's it. That's the life coach coming out of me. Um, Trevor Noah, he's doing $28 million. You've got, looks like, looks like Gab- Gabriel Iglesias, mm-hmm. $22 million. Good for him. Amy Schumer's doing $21 million. for her. Yeah. So there's definitely business to be had. There is. The thing about comedy, though, is like, and I think about a lot of things, is that a few people have almost the entire market share. Really? And yeah, I find that to be true it's for like a lot of stuff. It's like wealth the world, the 1% with all the wealth and it's then you know, the rest of the... <laughs> so well, most you, comics, you know, you know are just getting by, you think? I know. Really? Yeah. Well, look, here it's comedy's really interesting. So there's a lot of people who are who are getting by. There's people that comedians all really respect, but you guys don't know who they are and they're making an okay living. There's comedians that all comics love and that also aren't super well known but are on tour all the time and actually making a pretty substantial right. amount of money, but people still don't really they're not a household name, but they're making like, you know, a quarter or, or half a million dollars a year just touring and, and the public doesn't really know them. So it's, it's weird. It's an interesting thing. There's people who seem weirdly prominent but are making very little money and are supported in other ways. Well, that's when it right. comes back to finance and I always tell people like, you know, even when I mentor young kids that, want, that are like professional athletes, basketball players, I said, there's many other alternatives you can do in that same field mm-hmm. to, make, to make money and to leverage yourself and to create an income. Just because the most popular person, just because you're not popular doesn't mean you can't produce an income and you yeah, can't right. find a need so you can just stay under the radar and like carry and make good money along the way and build a career out of it. Yeah, right. Because most people are are going to work every day back and forth and making eighty thousand dollars a year and calling that a career. But if someone says, "Oh, I'm at eighty thousand dollars, but I'm a football player or a comic," people are looking at you like you failed. I'm like, "What? This is like eighty thousand doing something I love." So right, I think right. it's like how you kind of leverage it and look at it as as a business. You know. Now I think about Steve Harvey, for example. So I don't know if you heard a. Did you ever hear a story? Where his no. teachers told him he'd never be on television. Who are these he teachers that keep I telling know, right? kids that they can't do stuff? <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Fire them. <laughs> he was in elementary school, maybe six years old. Uh-huh. And that was the day they were asked, okay, everybody's going to write down what they want to be when they grow up. And um, basically, he wrote down his little his little essay, and then his teacher called him to the front, and he's, he walked up all proud. And then he said, she's asked him, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, I want to be on television. And she said, I'm calling your parents. Who do you know that's ever been on television? Luckily, he had a, a, a father mm-hmm. who said, look, son, you keep this piece of paper, keep it in your drawer, fold it up, and look at it every day. So this is where the visualization comes in. But I'm sure it was before his time. But he wrote down his goal, and he looked at it every day. 
Steve Harvey's on on television every day of the week, yeah, almost twenty four seven, right? And now he's worth about one hundred and sixty million dollars. And talk about a brand, good for him, and and, and branching out, right? right? So there's, as you were saying, there's no one way to do comedy anymore. So yeah. he took his comedy now. He brought it to game shows and pageants and whatever else. So, you know, it's, sky's the limit. Is you know, basically, it's what you want to do. So, Karen, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about the similarities to what you know. I'm a television producer. I've been doing it for a long time. And with that, there's a lot of instability and, you know, it's not your traditional doctor, lawyer, weekly check. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of, it's definitely gratifying, but budgeting when you're, when you're working in an unstable or uh, a kind of erratic artistic environment, how, yeah. how hard or how much does budgeting come into play for your existence? Uh, I would say that it either comes into play a lot or like it doesn't depending on you know like in the I would say in the past I didn't I didn't sweat it because it was triggering to use a millennial word till it was triggering to think about it and so I was just like you know my payday hasn't come and and uh, you got to spend money to make money like all that kind of stuff and I just like didn't worry about that I I just didn't want to think about it I needed certain things and I, I I it felt punishing to and retrospect was that a good thing to do some people are listening now. well probably not but it's what i did but it made you aggressive to go get your career gig done it made you like that's it there's always i mean i'm the finance guy and there's always two ways to look at it because mm-hmm. if you were too conservative and overthinking it you may not have been able to do that leap of faith yeah and spending money on yourself is a vote of confidence in yourself you know what i mean in, absolutely not everybody has this, the, the courage to do it yeah people talk about it want to be about it but investing in yourself for some people it's it's very difficult. Well, it's even scary because then you have to go do it. Mm-hmm. In, in this time span that you've been doing this, I would imagine from your start to now, there's things you've learned into how to mm-hmm. navigate your year or, or your, your your finances. Um, I make more money than I used to, so that, that helps. helps. <laughs> and uh, I also, I guess, have prioritized. I'm not the best budgeter, but certain things are sort of a non-negotiable priority. I need to pay rent. I need to pay off my student loans. I need to pay down credit cards, which are not that crazy, but stress a little bit stressful. Um, and I need to eat food and take the subway. And those things take take priority. And then with my other money, no, I'm not the best at budgeting that. But um, what I don't spend, I put away. Nice. And it's not really that intentional. It really is whatever I haven't spent uh, is saved. And that varies all the time, depending on what my expenses are and what I'm doing and if I'm going going places and buying things and whatever. And that that's kind of the that's the budget. Well, I, I want to say two things. I want to say two things. Um, one thing I want to talk about investing yourself. I know we kind of went away. And, you know, I, I, I say it's so important because and you don't see a return on your investment right away. It takes a while for it to kick in. Like mm-hmm. I'm in my 40s and I'm just seeing my return on my investment. Yes, mm-hmm. I bought real estate. And everything, but when I started to invest really in Sean Linda, where I started doing the finance stuff, financially clean, like I see I become a brand because like you're at an event, you know, the borough president, my name gets dropped now. People call me for Sean not to look at a property. And I see even with Dion, like where she decided to become a brand and invest and believe in herself. You see the transitioning happen where people yeah. are coming to you. And I see it with Matt as well. And then the the second thing I wanted to say um, with regards to, like, you know, budgeting and so forth, like, you're, we did a show on budgeting the budgeting. And, you know, one thing I say, you're, you're, you're kind of not in this alone. And I think probably not intentionally, mm-hmm. but you kind of found that partner. Because when I spoke to Matt, he's your boyfriend. He's all about numbers. Yes, you know what yeah. I'm saying? But he needs that balance. He needs that beautiful comic to kind of bring relief to his, like, binary numbers, X's and O's and ones and zeros yeah. all day long. So, I, and I needed his his financial sense to knock some sense into me. Honestly, you can't, it is not sustainable to float around as an artist without thinking about financial security. It's just not right. But also I think when you're in such a, um, non-traditional field, doing non-traditional things and making non-traditional money, somebody's got to knock a little sense into you and be like, look, it's really important to think about these things. And, and that's the balance he brought to me too. Yeah. And so it starts with, you know, Having, like I always saying, having that right person to kind of balance things off and buzz things off and kind of working with them. Yeah. And then, you know, as far as even budgeting tips, it's really 
staying strict and true to what your needs and wants are yeah. and then and then managing that. And I think you from what I'm hearing, like you're 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 doing that or you started doing that. Yeah. But but I also believe like and still enjoy yourself along the way. Life I is am. A journey. But that is actually the most important part. And I'm not saying that in like a woo woo way. I'm saying that as soon as you lose sight of that, you stop building your brand and making money. Whenever I get stressed out and the I feel the joy starting to slip out of what I'm doing. Um, and it starts becoming work, like everything's screwed up. You know what I mean? My, mm-hmm. my, all of a sudden my, my, my money's not right and, and I'm not happy and I'm not productive. And the, the having fun with it, especially if you've chosen something like I have, which is the path that I'm on. If you're not having fun, then what is the point? Then why didn't I become a lawyer? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Balance. Yeah. Well, it's funny, and we can take it a step further because on our, our 2020 Vision show, we were kind of giving tips for, you know, um, uh, the coming year for financial, you know, people who want to get their financial goals, you know, jump started. Mm-hmm. You can even make your budgeting fun. So even that doesn't have to be a dread, yeah, you know? Right. And you can be excited. Well, to actually, pay- I say, yeah, I know, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. It's like vegetables can be tasty. Yeah. Vegetables are the best. <laughs> <laughs> but you can. You can make it a game. You can make it fun, you know? And yeah. actually, it's exciting when, because especially, so the idea is, this is for everyone, 30-something, you're not alone, about two-thirds of your generation, they're, they're not budgeting. So just know that you're not alone. I believe it 100%. It's so scary. It's so scary to start to think about it because you have to accept the good with the bad, right? You, you do. And budgeting doesn't have to be bad. So we'll already take, we'll take that away because yeah, budgeting yeah, yeah. is not bad, <laughs> right? That's already yeah. a lens right there, right? <laughs> and um, it's amazing because I, I heard you at one point say the, the, the head in the sand when, you know, it, it uh, you know, maybe becomes overwhelming, right? Yeah, right. But that's what finance is. Um, if you don't stay with it, yeah. it starts to control you rather than you being controlled. Yeah. And I, I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. And I hate feeling it, like feeling that, that pressure on me. And you know, the, what honestly helps a lot too is like, and budgeting is part of that is mm-hmm. be, is being really active and proactive. Like that's if it. I'm not, and not just with, with money, but like in my life, in my career, you know, if I, slack I I start to get depressed I'm freaked out mm-hmm. you know if I'm if I'm sort of loosey-goosey with my money I'm I'm upset and stressed and not and I'd rather spend less money and actually have more enjoyment out of my life because I'm not as scared about money you know what I mean yeah I'd rather curtail point. that and and feel better about what I'm doing it carries over in the other areas of your life totally right? and the stress is, right yeah. everything's one thing you you can't compartmentalize stress right or I can't right. so mm-hmm. if if one thing's out of whack the, the, the whole, whole the whole thing. ship is, is not right yeah right Right. So clarity is important. And we'll just give a few tips on just the budgeting process for everybody out there. You really want to have realistic goals because when you know what's coming in and what's going out, uh-huh. when you get really clear, yeah. right? Look at she's holding her stomach. I know, I know. It's like, wow. <laughs> you want to hold my hand? Yeah, I do. Right. <laughs> That's what's going to take the fear away when you, know, okay. you actually know what's going on. I know. And you and Matt can do this together. I, he, I, I think tips. he would probably love that. No, it's true. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> And that was actually one of the tips we gave in our last show as well. Okay. So if, if you guys think you're there, you know, you can actually, that transparency actually can bring you even closer together and you know where your money's going, yeah, right? right? So <laughs> setting realistic goals, identify your income and expenses. Again, what's coming in, going out, right? Oh, God, right? oh, God, oh, God. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> then you're already doing most you're of the stuff. You're such a life right? coach, Dion. Right? You're such a life coach. <laughs> and then, you know, like Sean said, and you're already doing this, mm-hmm. separate your wants from your needs, right? right. You're, luckily, you already have your priorities pretty much set, and then you have your fun money, which is great. Right. And then you're going to design that budget. Yeah. Actually create the spreadsheet, however it works for you. Maybe it's, it's an it's app. It's time, yeah. You know, it is time 30 something. True, true. Love a good app. <laughs> then you just put it to Okay. Right? Which I know you're not afraid of that. I, I, you know what? I am. However, I'm at the point in my life when things that are scary it's have a, a have a certain appeal. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's time to run towards them. Exactly. Face your fears. Everything that you want is on the other side of fear. Right. And that's so where I'm going to leave it. How does credit, you, how does you're credit do you, does credit come into the game with you as far as like? But yeah. Credit's a funny thing, right? So I remember a couple years ago when I like, I, I remember like dipping my toe in. I hadn't had a credit card like. I was just really good about not having a credit card. And then I was like, Why is well, that really good? Because I knew I could not be trusted. I knew I couldn't be trusted. I knew because credit to me is very abstract. It just feels like not real money. You, you spend things, spend money that 
seems unreal. Cash is not exchanging hands. Money's exchanging hands, but cash is not. And then you have things. Can I and ask then, what, what do your parents do? Did they kind of were they that way with credit? Or no, you know? they are so 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 responsible. My parents, my my dad's from here, but my mom's an immigrant, and they together had this you know the immigrant mentality of of being really really smart with their money. They're doing great now, but in my like earlier childhood, they really had to hustle and like they're they're both professors, so. You know, they're they are just have been always super smart with their money, ended up buying property, you know, like a house for us at a certain point, and um, have just been really smart with it. Like, so you grew up in a responsible it. household when it comes to credit. Extreme, so responsible that <laughs> it it was irritating. Like, you know what I mean? They were so <laughs> responsible. And every, I remember we had a change. Like, let your hair down, <laughs> guys. It was like I, it's not like we don't have anything. It would get to the point of like I didn't understand it really as a kid and as like a young adult, which is when you can get yourself in trouble because now you're old enough to make poor right. decisions that legally stick to you. <laughs> and so I, um, yeah, so it, it was it was like extreme. What I felt was extreme, you know? Like mm-hmm. they had this little change purse and I remember we would like save up these coins and then then we could go to a Starbucks and like get a thing and that was an event and that's really cute. <laughs> Looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, why shouldn't they have done that? What, what else were we going to do with coins? You know, and <laughs> Starbucks is not... Good for you. So if you're and gonna have a disgusting treat, toys. yeah, right. And that's that was, overpriced. It, it was the whole thing, <laughs> right? So they were like, if if there's the coins and if if you if we have the coinage, then by all means, get yourself or whatever. And it was like very exciting and meant something. Two black guys, good credit, brought to you by Starbucks. Ruin that. Oh my god, you guys, let's talk equity in the show. What, what, <laughs> what caused the shift in when you were growing? Like, what what caused you to shift as far as credit is concerned and your outlook on credit? Well, I I because I have to learn everything the freaking hard way and and I know things intellectually that I don't know emotionally until I'm there so you know I dipped my toe in I was like well I wonder it would be easier for me if I could buy things on credit and then pay it off later and so lo and behold it's really really easy to get a credit card it takes nothing right and then you have this little card and <laughs> I was like, okay, word. And then I... <laughs> Say that again. You word said that again. up. Okay, word. So like, here I am. I felt like a real grown-up, you know? Now I have this card. And at first, it wasn't even a physical card. Like, PayPal extends you, can extend you a line of credit. And so I thought it was real slick because I didn't have a card that I could swipe. So I thought that would be sort of insurance against running up debt, right? right? Like, I can only do this online. So, of course, you can do everything online. That is not helpful. <laughs> um, and then I, there was one more... So I have two of them and neither of them, I, I do deal with them on a monthly basis, but I don't want to. And they stress me out. So how do you feel about credit right now? Uh, I feel, I feel as though You're getting, like, my friend sweaty. has turned against me. <laughs> yeah. I feel as though. See it, of <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I'm ruining my blowout. <laughs> I can't be sweating like this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I feel as though what was once to me very innocuous. Now I sort of snapped to it and was like, okay, okay, okay. Let's, um, let's treat this like the utility that it is. It's not free money. Absolutely. It's, it's the exact opposite of free money. It's very expensive money. Well, it depends. I love credit. I think credit, if you use it right, like for even. But I, I haven't used it right. In its simple terms, it's a, it's a free 30 day loan, right? I know. That's what Matt said. That is what he said. He was like, just pay off the whole balance and, you know, I will get there. (laughs) Exactly. And then, you know, it allows you to like use money, use a a dollar can work in three different ways. Like you can collect points, rewards, Mm -hmm. those type of things. And and getting back to budgeting, you know, it's easier to budget with credit cards and so forth. Right. And it kind of like you said, you want to get into real estate, acquiring property. This is kind of building up your resume. Wait, Sean, can I ask you a question? We've heard you tell the... We can use a dollar in three separate ways. Can you tell me those three ways? I want to know the three ways. Uh, one thing is to purchase the item, so the A and B transaction. Uh-huh. Another thing is for to get rewards, points, and those discounts. And the third thing is to build up your credit score. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something that, to me, now that you're kind of warming up to it, it's I, I, and, I, and when I teach at high school level, I encourage kids to establish credit as early as possible mm-hmm. because it's that secret partner. Like, for example, if you wanted to start your own network, for example, would you? I'd rather be able to borrow the money than kind of get an investor if I could because yeah. all you have to do with credit is just meet the monthly terms of your, of your negotiation. Well, so let with, me ask you this then. If you have a balance on your credit card, and it's not astronomical or anything like that, it's manageable, but it's more than you can pay off in a single month because you've, you've allowed that to slip. 
Um, what's the best way, you know, I guess you don't want to be paying a minimum every month, right? You want to pay it off as quickly as possible, but like, what is the best strategy to attack that? There's a couple of ways. So there's one, it's called the avalanche method. I'm not sure if you've heard of this before. Never. But basically, if you have multiple credit cards, right, you're actually going to pay the balances on all of them, mm-hmm. but you're going to pay as much as you can on the one with the highest balance. Okay. So you don't necessarily see the uh, the avalanche, you know how the avalanche takes time to kind of build up? Yeah. So you don't really see the 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 results as quickly, mm-hmm. but eventually once you get that first one paid off, then yeah. you can see you can put so much more on the next one and you're saving a lot more money cuz you're paying the highest interest rate card first. So that's the idea. So and it, it takes longer. That's probably one of the, the cons to it. Yeah, right. Um, but it's it does so satisfying work. to see that balance just disappear. <laughs> right, yeah. right. But that's one way to do it. Or you could also just you have multiple credit cards, pay off the one with the biggest balance. And sorry, the smallest balance. Mm-hmm. So you get the small wins. Yeah, Especially right. if you have five cards, for example. Imagine if you pay off all those the smaller ones first. You see, though, you get encouraged by at least getting some cards paid off. Yeah, right. And then you might see it just move a little faster maybe than the, the avalanche. But the other one's called the snowball method. Well, I'll tell you my hustle one-on-one. You know, okay. I'm always an outside-the-box type of guy, mm-hmm. and I kind of use what's presented to me. And one of the things that I, I love in America is that we have what we call zero-interest credit cards, which you've heard of them, like, and they're called, te- they're called teaser rates. And depending how good your score is, you can apply for one, and it'll be like a zero-interest card because the, the theory behind it is that they want to move you from – they want to. They want to acquire you. It's an acquisition cost. So okay. They want to. You know, if it it means giving you a zero interest for X amount of months to bring you over into their books, credit card companies are willing to do that. Okay. So they can extend them. I've seen them go the minimum there is twelve months, but I've seen them go as long as twenty four months. So I always tell people, like I just had a student come to my store on Sunday, and she was like. She had $3,000 in debt, and she was, like, paying this high interest rate, and she wanted to meet with me to talk about how she can reduce that. And I'm like, let's – so before we meet, try to apply for zero-interest credit cards online. And she had, like, a 600 credit score, so she wasn't getting any, getting any. But she just got this new Capital One card for her business. And we're sitting there and on Sunday, and I'm like, let me call Capital One see what terms you got on this because you just got the new card. And by, by, by long and behold – it was a zero interest for 18 months. I'm like, why are you here? Like, you have a zero interest card. You just got to make, divide it by 18 and just make your monthly payments and you're good. So I think, and that's how you play the game. I've seen guys use zero interest credit cards to invest on renovating property, do all kinds of stuff. So I would advise you, go home, mm-hmm. apply to see what zero interest credit cards offers are out there for you. Apply. People are like, oh, if I apply for too many, is it going to ruin my credit score? It's minimal. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's, the reward is is more than the, 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 couple points that your credit score may drop and right? and so and do what transfer balances transfer balance it yeah and then amortize it amongst it if you get a 24 month zero interest amortize the balance over that 24 months but here's yeah. the key this is the discipline which i think you have now okay is that when you transfer <laughs> the balance over that, yeah. to a new card you don't acquire new debt i i i, I have no intention of buying anything on credit until these cards are paid off honest to god unless it's an emergency or i have no other choice or whatever like something small you know once in a while you have to but but uh i i it's funny because my little debt is small potatoes it's not a lot um, and I really feel for people who have like a lot of credit cards and are tens of thousands of dollars in debt. Like, oh my God, that must be crushing yeah. stress. But you still stress. have to, yeah. you still have to thing, funny thing is I tell people all the time as well. It's like, yes, you're working on paying off, but you still have to grow your brand. It still yeah. comes back to what we talked about early in the show. Like you are a brand, you have to continue to grow. Like I don't believe in this. I'm going to stop everything and just do this mm-hmm. and then put everything else yeah, to the side. Yeah, you still have to make investments. In, you still in, have to in make your, smart investments. But I, I have a question about how do you feel? Is your credit score something that's a stress or a, an issue for you? Are you happy with it? Is that something you're trying to? Obviously, I'll be most honest people with you, are trying to. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Okay. I do not know so what it that is. The and avoidance every once in a while. Oh, and 2020, this is the year to, you know, b- put on my big girl pants. And <laughs> yeah. all us millennials have to be adults. It's like, that is honestly where I, I, I'll speak for all millennials. Like, I'll just do it. That's, I feel where we are. Like, the people who have been the late bloomers, <laughs> I'll speak for that subsection. Um, like, 2020 is the year to to know your credit score so yes. yeah i don't i don't know it you're gonna start the movement today yeah. <laughs> today <laughs> that's so soon why tomorrow okay Lock on. I'm, all about, I'm all about to do it now but just just to give like a, a kind of an overview of of um our millennials right now and where they are in debt um or young people so there was a, a study done by fico and they said basically young adults between 18 and 24 uh, they held around $2,000 in credit card debt. And by the time they got to the late 20s, it would nearly double. So it sounds about right. 
So again, you know, you're right. You're right kind of in the realm of things. And there's yeah. things like Credit Karma where you can easily like log on, get your credit score, creditkarma.com, and they will tell you like when you really like it's like one of it's like getting the gym membership for the person who's like, I'm focused. I'm going to go and lose weight or whatever. Credit Karma will track what you're doing. And like as your credit card is flux, as your credit score is fluctuating, they send you monthly updates huh. and they'll tell you like if you're doing good, oh, your score just jumped 30 really? points. Or, it's very reward based. It is. Yeah, you get and that little dopamine hit when you're doing a good job. True. Right. Yeah, I love that. Love that for me. But in addition to Credit Karma, you could just reach out to the actual um, free credit. Yes. The government allows right. you to get your credit score every year, but it's required by law now. So you can go like freecreditscore.com. Huh. Like there's no reason why to like to, to not do it. True. Other than me. Other than yeah. And you you know there's three of them? I, I do theoretically. Okay. I don't know what they are, but I do know there's three. Yeah. Okay. So that's important. Okay. There's so Equifax, <laughs> yeah. Experian, and TransUnion. They all give three separate scores. Are those scores pretty consistent across the board? Well, they're, that they're, depends. They're that's why you should check. They're huh, independent companies, uh-oh. organizations. So if two are right and one is wrong, guess what that story tells Karen? Okay. What? That you may, one of them may be getting wrong information. Gotcha. So you need to cr- contact that person direct, that credit card. So that's on you. got to reach out to them that's and be on, like, yeah. what's happening? Their, their role is just to really collect data. Okay. Not to kind of figure if, if everything is correct. If that's your so they're not now. like cross-referencing this data. They're just they're independent. aggregating McDonald's, it. Wendy's, okay. and, and Burger King, they don't speak to one another, right? We don't know that. <laughs> I don't. Do you know the ins and outs of the burger business? I don't. <laughs> but, um, but I was going to say to you, yeah, someone could have your same name. And could have purchased something and they literally make a, a mistake like that. And then you, guess what? I'm not sure if you've heard of this. It's called snail mail. Yeah. Was that, that's actually, just mail, right? Just mail. Okay, okay. I'm not sure if the 30-somethings still do that. But you might actually have to write a letter to them. No. Or make a phone call. But yeah, and, and get it rectified. You might have to write a few, just what? so you know. But we're going to just believe that everything's good with yours. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that would that would be the Credit next step. Credit Karma. I'm writing this down right now. Mm-hmm. It's an app, you say. And there's another one called Mint, Love where you can app. combine credit and uh, budgeting. Writing it down. Again, keeping it light and tight, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Dot A little com. less scary. And Mint. No, you know what? And you're right. I love an app. I do love an app. Mm-hmm. Streamlines things, simplifies things. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, honestly, the thought of taking that much letter writing initiative to deal with credit stuff is is absolute wildness to me. And <laughs> I already don't want to do it, but I can download an app. That's fine. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Baby steps. Right. <laughs> well, actually, one other thought or question that I had with just listening to your story. And like I said earlier, with working in the arts, I, I feel a kinship to that part of the grind. But when you're looking for the other streams of, of income and revenue, are you, is it all centered on the comedy and your brand? Or are you also looking at stuff completely out of that realm, like in terms of real estate or doing other things or stock market or investing, or is it all comedy or do you have other thoughts of jumping into other? Yeah. So that's a really, really uh, interesting question. And I, I want to kind of do everything. I don't see any reason. I think comedy skills are actually really, really transferable. Well, yeah, but I, 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 know what you mean <laughs> you know millennials kind of want to do everything and nothing but i feel that comedy is a kind of specialty and those kinds of performance hosting skills are really applicable to a lot of other stuff so yes eventually I, look d- down the line i th- this was a question I had for you guys. If real estate is a good investment or if it's, I've heard both things that people say, well, real estate, buying a place to live in isn't a good investment, but buying a place to rent out is like, I don't know what the right thing to do All right, is. Hold on. Did she just take over the question asking portion? She's like, she hosts her own podcast. <laughs> she just grabbed the mic. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and we're going to allow okay. Karen to, to, we're going to flip the script and oh we're going to give her the opportunity to ask us some questions. So it's a um, 30 something day on two black guys with good credit. Stay tuned, and we'll have more with Karen Margolis, so keep it locked. Perfect. Woo. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today we are joined by our resident 30-something, Karen Margolis. Woohoo! She uh, is a very skilled multi-hat wearing person hey. and you know she hosts her own podcast so we're going to allow her to host this section and ask our two black guys team some questions so take it away karen okay cool thanks guys okay so um yeah we so we spoke a little bit before about um kind of what i'm trying to do here and the goal is to expand a brand build a business you know like kind of branch out right. use comedy skills for other things um and so the question is like what what are we what does the future actually look like compared to what it used to look like in the past right like is my parents boomer financial wisdom does that apply still answering your question directly it's like the the advice you might have gotten from some not forget baby boomers or your parents someone walking the earth in you know 15 years ago things have shifted so there's 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 truths and there's good habits and good things that are are consistent that you know can still be of value but then there's changes to the game so you kind of i think have to have a a a dual view of like taking solid advice from people but also always being aware of how the game is shifting from a comedian point of view or just from a person and when you're looking at credit or, or real estate or what's going on in the world. Like there's so many things like with like Uber didn't exist, you know, like the, the, the world is different. Yeah. So the game is different, but there are solid advice. Yes. I agree. Points that are consistent, but I just think you need to look at things. You need to look at it with your both sides of your brain. Right. Yeah. Cause if you look at, for example, real estate, I mean, Sean will agree. If your parents, if they said the dream was to buy a home, yeah. that's the American dream, and that's the journey, to, you know, on the path to wealth, I would, I would, I would still look at that because the the wealthiest people made most of their money in real estate. I think ninety percent, they said, you know, of successful wealthy people made it in real estate. Well, I'll say this though, Karen, the, yeah. the compliments you in the, in the short time that I've Go known on, you. Man. Go on, man. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> like me, boy. Self-praise is all praise. <laughs> but I'll say this, you know, I don't know if you realize it, but you are, I mean, you do work on diversifying yourself in yeah. a sense that, listen, you do a show Race Wars with, to me, most maybe white Jewish chicks may not do, but to grow <laughs> your brand, you kind of threw yourself in there and you make it work. Mm-hmm. Then you do, you know, then you're doing your other a- events that you're doing. And these are all experiences that you can help to grow and diversify your yeah. brand. And to me, when like now I'm sitting here with you, like a lot of comics, comic is their core business, but they do talk shows, they do new stuff. So mm-hmm. like, like, and I want to say like, I would love to be your agent because I, I think there's so many ways in which we can, directions we can put you in. And then, you know, because let's you have not that, forget merchandising. Yeah. Because you have that confidence and that look like, and you're funny. Like there's ways in which you can, you can be on MSNBC. You can be on CNN. You can be writing scripts. You know, mm-hmm. you can be doing ads. It's like all those different things that you can leverage on to keep the diversity going. So me, the word for you is, you know, diversify. So in that vein, though, do you got so so uh, full disclosure (laughs) uh, last year, I decided to this was just a little experiment on my part. Right. Uh, I just I put a thousand dollars in Bitcoin, just Bitcoin, not Mm -hmm. cryptocurrency in general. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to I I, I, play a play a money, girl. (laughs) It was was enough to a nice round number. It was enough to like make it a little bit interesting. Right. Because I do follow it. And I like really Mm -hmm. am so interested. It pops off and you win. Cool. Cool. And if not, it's fine. It's it's a brand. Right. I can afford to lose that if if 
that's what happens. But um, and and I and I know it's not like Bitcoin's not the end all be all. There's a lot of other like interesting projects and opportunities. But the question is, do you think that crypto has any kind of longevity? Do you think it's like kind of here to stay? I personally, I feel like it does. Um, I think like there's like so many talented people working on it and that like blockchain technology is really applicable but in itself in yeah. and of itself. Mm-hmm. But do you think that so the question is twofold, but same topic is do you think that cryptocurrency has a strong future and Bitcoin specifically, where do you think that's going? Well, here's my take on it. The premise, the people, well, the, we don't know who theory, quote unquote invented Bitcoin. Yeah. But what we understand, the premise of the Bitcoin was to be using as another uh, as a currency to yeah. trade on to get rid of people using money people were it was a it was a backlash to wall street what's happening and what they didn't realize it's become a commodity like wall street like anything else people are not the plan was we would be able to go into stores and just pay on bitcoin mm-hmm. but it's becoming because of the because there's only a, what 21 million bitcoins out there that it's kind of been created that demand so the question is are you asking me are they going to are you going to be using it to buy things which was its sole purpose or are we going to be just using it as a, as a way in which to make money and trade um do you think that it might be uh, an effective store of value Meaning. Like is it going to be like is a good as a good investment not not to not as cash because that's the purpose that was what it was supposed to be but it but it's turned out to not really be and is that a good so thing? useful in that so the founders it, think they're happy it, about it, that it's hard to spend right no it was not that it's hard to spend it's become supply and demand more people that demand it if there's only 21 million out there sure. and 200 million people want it guess what it drives the price up but it's, it. it's also just hard to transact with bitcoin like right. transaction times are really slow like it's not it's not easy and just to give a sense to everybody right now what where bitcoin is um is hovering at so one bitcoin equals uh seventy nine hundred nineteen dollars right now so my answer to you is I like blockchain. I think blockchain is great because it's open. Everybody sees what's going on, how it's transactional based. I think that will last. Yeah. But the com- Bitcoin itself, I think it'll just it'll, it'll fluctuate up and down in the market. Everybody will buy it, but I don't know how long it'll be around for. But I do believe in blockchain technology. So just just what's kind of ironic uh, with the whole thing is that uh, successful uh, crypto companies are now trading on the stock market, mm-hmm. which is completely opposite of the whole you know original concept of this whole thing that's what's so exciting yeah yeah so i guess they're not going anywhere so that, that, that's what i'm saying but, but yeah. sean sean r- rolled his eyes to the back <laughs> of his head when i mentioned bitcoin oh he's a baby boomer <laughs> <laughs> stuck in his ways no my only my only suggesting <laughs> to you karen it's to diversify it, it, a little it's bit di- it's yeah. always think diversify right, because right. you know what goes up may Absolutely. come down and it's always about diversifying if you love trading on bitcoin you should find something to hedge yourself we I did do. a show on bonds which is very safe you can do look into bonds i'm writing it down now to yeah. offset to offset your your aggressive, time to bond your, your aggressive bitcoin <laughs> <laughs> well the, the plan that i had going in was i was going to put some money into just bitcoin because bitcoin I, the og bitcoin is interesting to me and I like just following that as sort of like a barometer of what crypto right. is doing and then put another chunk of money into like you said pick like a few uh really interesting uh, currencies or tokens and and do my little research and, and see, you know, like sort of a, a short term, medium term and then longer term, break it up into that. Right. And there's not a lot of money. This is just just because it interests me. And then put a, another little chunk of money into like traditional stocks and bonds. Well, let me tell you this. And, you know, this year I was like really being active with my my investments and I was, you know, working with a broker and I was being conservative. I bought I got into some stocks and I got into some um, bonds and mutual funds and so forth. And, you know, being conservative and not too aggressive, I was very happy. At mm. the, I just found out last week, like, I had a 14% return on my investments. That's amazing. Exactly. And it wasn't really, I wasn't, I could sleep at night. Yeah. And I, and I love to sleep. So can <laughs> <laughs> so, we share so that. Can we, we have time for one more question. Okay. If, if you have one. Yeah, I do have one more question. Uh, I, do you guys think that there's going to be a crash in 2020? Like everybody keeps saying. We're so tweet Trump driven. It's really like, mm. this is what I always said. When I worked on Wall Street, I was like, you know, I graduated in finance. I read all these books, textbooks. And I'm like, and you start to really realize the the, the book of life, like, which is very unpredictable. That's deep. It, it is, right? And so to answer that question, there's so many things that has may happen political wise. Like, like, look what just happened in Iran. Like that was all dependent on the economy. Like if we went deep into this World War Three, could the market crash? Absolutely. But if we don't, if we get a new if we get a new government, what could happen? So 
anybody can tell you that they know, they really, those are the ones that you can run hard from because they really don't know. All I can tell you what you can do is focus on you and your brand. And what's the word? Diversify. Diversify. If, you, if you're worried about, listen, <laughs> one thing I can tell you, world depression, yeah. nah, not a reality. If one country is doing poorly, there's another country that's doing great. So it's always looking beyond. And if one city, one, one investment, like, Everybody needs to laugh. Yeah. I don't care about the comedy. Maybe it's $20 to get in during a booming time. It may be $5 to get in during a, a, a non-booming time. Oh, there's a million ways to do it. You could have free shows, and then you get the bar, it's like whatever. See, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. So, so, you know, so, so there's a truth to we it. Get, we get scared of this whole macro thing that we see on TV. Yeah. But it's, it's really like if we go in, like you just said it perfectly, and you just said it j- jokingly, but it's so true. You can you switch your game up. You know, I used to charge $20 to get in, and that's what people don't know when to how to adapt to a new current environment. Right. So, yes, we're in a perfect booming economy. You can charge $3 to get in the door. If you see the market changing, then you mm-hmm. adjust your game. Right. Like you just said, let me have some free shows and negotiate with bar owners and say, you know what? I'm just, I just want a certain attendance at the bar. And those bartenders will be, those yeah. comedy clubs will be attracted to you because they're like, yo, they're letting me make more money because the economy is suffering. So if you're ahead of the curve and you see what's going on and you apply it to your business, you don't have to, you'll just, you're just kind of, riding the economy and that gets back to the cocky guy that I am the optimist that I am <laughs> you can hustle in any economy yep I will add to that um Eric Thomas I don't know if you've heard of the Eric the hip-hop preacher Mm-mm. he's actually the number one motivational speaker in the world no kidding and he actually did the best um of his work in a depression that's when people need motivation that's when people need to laugh and guess what he does what he did to become he gave away free content. So everything Sean's saying, there's, yeah. it's not just well, and optimism and pie in the sky, right? That's the model now, too, is like over-delivering value for free, and then there's an upsell. And then people want to kind of like almost invest in your brand. And, and I think there's also sort of a line to walk there because if you like really, you, you can give away so much that people don't feel the need to ever spend. Well, Deanna and I go through that with our program. Like when do we got to start now getting asking for a fee? And that gets back to yeah, the confidence right. and believing in yourself and your brand to know that there's a point. Like we're at the point now. I go into meetings like this is our fee. This is what we charge. Uh-huh. And that becomes the confidence in knowing your brand and knowing your worth. And you've put in the work in the background. Because some people, I hate the person on the podium that's, that's asking for money and hasn't even done anything to prove it. Yeah, right. Well, to the point of over-delivering, Karen, I think you've over-delivered as a guest. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> you've been possible? amazing. <laughs> this was so fun. We, we had high expectations, but you've exceeded those. <laughs> I had the best time. This was really so much fun. I'm very motivated. Like, I feel very inspired now to, like, maybe at some point in the next coming weeks check my credit score. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have you come back and we'll I talk. I love that. Yeah, see how you're doing. Two black guys motivated you. See that? Very no pun intended. So, <laughs> so our, as our show's coming to a close we definitely want to thank you karen for coming thank you for your questions thank you for your contribution to the show thank you guys phenomenal yeah this was really fun and anything on the horizon what are your handles where can they find you um you can find me on instagram's my favorite honestly i love it it's uh, my favorite karen margolis k-e-r-e-n-m-a-r-g-o-l-i-s and i'm on both Twitter and TikTok. That's a new thing oh. for me. Uh, millennials, we can really go like old and young. Um, <laughs> and that's Karen Kardashian, K-E-R-E-N. You guys know how to spell Kardashian. And yeah, hit me up. Sean, as a baby boomer, is not familiar with TikTok. And he's I'm, a oh, it's like, all, it's I, all the kids I, are doing, I, Sean. I'm this off. TikTok, you don't stop there. Ooh, I want to say It's very note. similar to what you just did. Thank you, Karen. And everyone, stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Two Black Guys good credit. Thank you. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. As we bring this show to an end, we want to again thank our guest, Karen Margolis. We had a, a great time with her, and I hope you enjoyed it. Dion? Yeah, I want to say thank you for Karen for being, uh, just being so vulnerable and so open. And uh, as a 30-something, really creating a space for that generation who is just trying to figure things out. So I think you uh, probably really helped a lot of people um, get motivated for this 2020. Um, If you have any more questions that she didn't touch on, please always want to hear from you. Send your email, send your questions to tbgwgc at gmail.com. Follow us on uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Black Guys Good Credit. And then don't forget to leave us a five-star review where others can find us. Like, I mean, this was pretty cool. The podcast Discovery Show said, 
amazing show, great hosts. So this one's pretty special because it's a podcast about podcasts who gave us a great review. So thank you. My name is Dion Nichols, the lady with the history, the stats, and the cold hard facts. And I'm out. And my bottom line is that no matter if you're a 30-something, a Generation Xer, a baby boomer, or whatever, we, we all have something to learn on our financial journey. But the main point is that nothing changes if nothing changes. So make those changes in your life and keep listening to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. And I'm Matt Smith, and I'm out. I'm Sean, and my takeaways, first of all, I want to thank my homegirl, Karen, for coming out. She did an amazing job. If, I, I hope you guys are listening and listen to, listen to Race Wars and then listen to Black Guys with Good Credit back-to-back, and you'll see how diverse my friend can be. And getting back to that word, diversify, that's the le- lesson for all you young people listening and know that the key to success and growing wealth and creating wealth and just overall happiness in life is knowing how to diversify, knowing when to get in something, knowing when to get out, and have that caring confidence to know that whatever your true gifts are in life, that you can do it and pursue it and be successful at it. And I'm Sean, the better half of two black guys with good credit. Your money is your money, and keep it in your damn pocket, people. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.